steps into it. Pass is caught. Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! to the unbelievable podcast i am bj rydell back here with my guy drew maholt and today we finally have a lot of things to discuss of course everything came in a bunch so we're going to split uh some content um, up among this show and uh next show but uh for the sake of talking about subjects you know as they happen we'll start today with uh mike zimmer's contract extension which of course came uh you know, a couple days ago now as of this recording uh, meaning uh you know for how what that means for the vikings um then we'll talk a little bit more about you know COVID 19 unfortunately this continues to be a topic and i'm sure it will be for the foreseeable future unfortunately but um uh, the first viking or f- first major impact viking opted out um of the 2020 season this year in michael pierce uh, so we will discuss that the impact that has the changes the vikings may need to employ as a result and so forth and then we'll finish up with eric sugarman the trainer and the covid expert for the vikings testing positive and kind of the the other people that are you know on covid reserve i suppose uh, that's the show today that's the game plan so let's jump in here um, right away with mike zimmer Vikings head coach, he is officially going to be in Minnesota for three more years. What do you think about that? Uh, I mean, it's not surprising. Uh, the, you know, it seems like he and Spielman are tied together, kind of. And now they're sort of intertwined with Kirk Cousins as well. So when Kirk was extended, uh, it didn't really make sense for the team to, you know, go a different direction after the season with a new head coach. Uh, you know, as long as things don't go you know, don't get super ugly for the Vikings, right? If something were to go terribly wrong and Zimmer were to lose the team or something, then that's one thing. But, uh, you know, it, it seems like, you know, he's got his, it doesn't really matter. It seems like who is on his defense, right? Uh, he forms them into stellar players and his defense is consistently in the top five, top 10 of any type of metric that you want to use to measure defense his defense is up there and so from that perspective you have to give him credit and you have to keep giving him that chance to sort of uh you know i guess create the opportunity to win in the playoffs uh you know he did last year and there was uh the big win against new orleans it seems like he has been you know he's had some opportunities hasn't quite won in the playoffs necessarily again the blair walsh missed sure uh, but that kind of is offset by the miracle against the Saints a couple years ago. So uh, that's kind of the, the missing piece for he and Kirk really is sort of the, the, the statement playoff wins. They got one against the Saints last year. Now they need to compound that into something uh, of a deep playoff run again uh, moving forward. But not a surprise. His defenses are always stellar. Uh, it, the one hiccup, I guess, I guess the one thing that holds me back about being more excited about it is the fact that it seems like more and more having an offensive head coach is the is what wins right now in the NFL. And so that's the one thing holding me back from being super excited is offense seems to be more important than defense generally in the 2020 NFL. But Mike Zimmer 
and with everything he's gone through in Minnesota, the, the eye injuries, like four different quarterbacks and offensive coordinators, uh, yada, yada, yada. Uh, he deserves a chance with somewhat to get some stability and have a chance to build something without things changing so rapidly on him. I think that's a pretty good summation of why this is a, a contract extension that is deserved. Now, are there are there question marks? Like, are there like, is there reason to be skeptical of three more years of Mike Zimmer? Yeah, we could probably dig a few things up. But so I'm I'm 28 years old, right? I've been a Vikings fan for the most of my life. I remember some of Denny Green, obviously not a whole lot, you know, in terms of you know, intelligent memories, if you will. Um, I remember Mike Tice uh, quite a bit. Um, I definitely remember Brad Childress because that's really when it, you know, started to hit for me. And I remember Leslie Frazier. And I, I can't say that any of those guys are anywhere close to what Mike Zimmer has been since he was hired in 2014. Not one of them. The only one that is comparative in terms of success and innovation and just overall being a good head coach and leader of an organization is Denny Green and Bud Grant. That's pretty good company, in my opinion. Um, Mike Zimmer's got nearly a 600 winning percentage. Again, right on par with the two guys that came before him. Uh, and, I mean, if we're comparing this guy to Bud Grant, which I think is probably the closest comparison that the Vikings can offer in terms of their coaching style and kind of the the, the personality traits and you know the mannerisms and all of that jazz – I think that I think that's pretty good. I think you want that guy as, around as long as possible. Now, having said all of that, there is that one glaring thing, and that's what you just said about, well, what about having an offensive-minded head coach that has seemingly made a huge difference for quite a few championship-level teams? And keeping in mind, of course, that we don't have any coach in history that has won a championship. So the Vikings don't necessarily even know what that looks like. And maybe conforming to with the contemporary NFL and what other teams are doing, taking a page out of their playbooks as well. I mean, there's not there's not a whole lot you can really do. I mean, who do you want is is one question there. Like, who's the guy? Is it Eric? Is it Eric Bieniemy? Because maybe that's exactly I can the name I was that. thinking. Um, but I mean, that's the other thing too. Is you, you have to have a plan in place if you were to get rid of Zimmer. And the other thing too is you know. When you bring in a, a guy like Kirk and you commit what you've committed to Kirk Cousins, right. same with Rick Spielman too. You know, Rick Spielman is the general manager. He's got a philosophy of how he builds a team, and he's been working with Zimmer now for six years. You know, you can't the majority of his career as an right. as an executive or like a right. top executive. Yeah, and so and and we should also add that Spielman extension should, will probably be announced here soon too, right? Because you know he's tied with Zimmer. Zimmer's tied with Kirk. They're all tied. They're all intertwined at this point through about 2022 or 20. 23 mm -hmm. uh with their the contract statuses of each of them so uh, that's assuming a spielman extension is is happening here soon so they're all tied together like it or not but again you can do a lot worse than that trio uh zimmer like you said just shy of 600 win percentage with what i mean he's formed a lot of that talent on defense right uh kendrick's became a star while he was head coach uh, Harrison Smith was a stud uh, in his first couple of years without Zimmer, but really became a superstar under Zimmer. Daniil Hunter, same thing. Everson Griffin continued his star play with Zimmer uh, as the head coach. So these guys became superstars with Zimmer. And of course, Xavier Rhodes, Trey Waynes, these guys became good corners. Um, and offensively, you know, you've had a, a plethora of offensive coordinators, a plethora of quarterbacks. 
he still managed to get his team near that 600 mark, which is pretty darn impressive. Not a lot of coaches be able to do that. So uh, he deserves this. He deserves kind of a, a more, I don't want to say a more fair shot, because I don't think he would even say that. I think he would even say, like, it's still my responsibility to win no matter what. But he has had a lot of things go against him uh, on the offensive side of the ball, especially. And then, of course, the Blair Walsh kick and all these other things that are, you know, um, yep. blanches on his record, so to speak, that don't really seem to pertain to what he brings to the team. So I do think he deserves that shot. And hopefully things will be a little bit smoother uh, for Mike Zimmer in the next few years. Absolutely. His health probably needs it at this point, honestly, given, you know, what the kind of the stressful and the ridiculous situations that he has faced. Um, and not to mention the fact that he has already had some health issues and some concerns along the way. So uh, you're getting three more years of Mike Zimmer, whether you like it or not. These are just facts. Um, and there's, I think there's very good reason to look at these next, th- next three years and say, well, they're not going to be the same as what you've been getting since 2014. So that's kind of one of the things when you fire a coach, right? You're looking for some sort of transition, right? You're looking for some level of change because your organization's current philosophies were failing, correct? So Mike Zimmer's first, what, five, six years, five years from 2014 through th- 2019 – we're good, successful years. We're we just you know we just bragged about all of his accomplishments. They were all very good. Did they lack some pieces to the puzzle? Did they lack key factors that you think you know could have put them over the top in at least one or two circumstances? Absolutely, absolutely. But the thing is now is that with Mike Zimmer at the head, this is now the first time that they have stability on offense, which we have not seen yet. Okay, we get a second year of Gary Kubiak. And I mean, if you want to call it stability, I suppose, given that, you know, Stefanski did leave. But um, you have that you have all the pieces in place for three more years. Like you just said, Kirk, Rick, uh, Gary Kubiak, Mike Zimmer, they're all going to be there. You've got a bunch of your superstars also tied through those next three years. This is what you're going to get no matter what. And I just think that if you're someone who fairly has a negative perception of Mike Zimmer. You have reason to do like there it's out there. There there are facts to support your claim. But I would say that I would not expect the same Mike Zimmer from 2014 to 2019 for the next 3 years. I don't I think that this is it's not a change in in the sense that there's a different person up top, but this is a different situation that Mike Zimmer is in right now and you're going to get a different style. I mean, he's more experienced now more than anything. He says it every single year how many different little things he learns about head coaching. So I think that giving him three more years, giving him you know more of an opportunity to work with what he's built um, is definitely a good thing for the organization. Um, and it's definitely the you know teams that allow their, t- their coaches to stick around for a while. Not only do they have a better reputation when they go to hire another coach, uh, but they tend to get more re- the better results too. You know these the, what Cleveland does, firing a coach after a year, I mean, that doesn't, that's not good. There's, you, you're not you giving him a worse. chance. You're not giving him a chance. And after these three years, we'll see what Mike Zimmer has done. He will have as fair of a shot as you can get in the NFL. And, and at that point in time, we'll, you know, we'll see what happens next. But um, I think, I, I do think that this is the right decision. And I do think that stability right now, especially given the kind of the circumstances and all the um, instability that is going around and, um, you know, consequently affecting the NFL. Um, I think it's good to have that in place up yeah. top, have that same voice. And, you know, at the very least, I mean, you've got a great, 
like human being leading your organization for the next three years, even if he isn't, you know, super savvy offensively or, you know, has some maybe questionable or outdated beliefs still. Um, we'll see if he can adapt these changes, and I'm sure we'll criticize him along the way. But I'm happy to have him around. I love Mike Zimmer as a coach. Oh, yeah. it's e- a, He's easy to root for, which is, you know, as a fan, that's what you want, right? Uh, right. That was the problem with Brad Childress. Uh, it's impossible you know, to root for. You know, unlikable. The, 2008, going 10 and 6 with that team was actually pretty darn good to yeah. be for Brad Childress. You got Tavares Jackson and Gus Farratt uh, throwing the rock around. But then to go get Favre and all that was awesome. Uh, and that whole season was great. But like part of you almost like didn't like it just because Childress was getting credit for some of that, right? <laughs> he just was not a personable uh, you know, guy to root for. Zimmer's the complete opposite, uh, where he genuinely seems to, you know, he cares for the players. He's um, you know, he's thoughtful and he, you know, wants the best for all of his guys and, and all that. So, and the one thing too, I'll add that, um, is giving me hope for, you know, the next three years that he's probably going to be the head coach, um, is that, you know, 2013, he took over this defense and it was pretty much the worst in the, in the NFL. Uh, that DB room was pitiful, right? You had Harrison Smith, who, um, was clearly your best player, but he was only after he had only played two years. And then you had a, a rookie Xavier Rhodes in 2013, and you had a bunch of no-name corners. Um, he transformed that defense in two years into something elite. And so that gives me hope about these these corners now. Like Even though it's kind of scary to look at that depth chart, um, the fact that he has quickly turned around a group in two years uh, back in 2015, uh, I think that is something that Vikings fans can, can hold on to uh, with optimism for Mike Zimmer's tenure the next couple of years. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So Mike Zimmer will be facing, unfortunately, another year filled with adversity. And it's not even created by the Vikings. It's created by the coronavirus, which yeah. I, I we try to we try to avoid talking about all the time, because for me personally, it's very, very difficult just in general for it to not come up in conversation. And I'm tired of hearing about it. Right. Like it's, it's become the new weather. Right. Like we say, hey, how are you doing? How's the family? Whatever. Oh, how are you dealing with the pandemic? Yeah. OK, well, I'm. T- I'm tired of hearing about it too, but unfortunately, we, you know, there's some major, major changes that are going on with on within the Vikings organization right now because of the pandemic and you know, trying to follow protocol and such when you're playing a contact sport where you're literally dripping right. sweat, sweat and blood on each other. Um, they're going. This is going to be an ongoing topic, and unfortunately, that starts today with uh, Michael Pierce, the free agent signing out of Baltimore. Uh, nose tackle opting out for the season um, and he will be the first kind of major Vikings name to announce himself as uh, someone who's not going to participate amid uh, the coronavirus pandemic so this is a big loss this is a significant loss Um, it's a big loss literally and figuratively it it definitely is it's absolutely just that Um, I had to get that joke off you did you did I mean, so this was a big – the nose tackle position, obviously, you went out and signed this guy for a reason, right? Like, it was because the position was going to be a problem with Linville Joseph departing. And all of a sudden, that hole reopens itself three months later, and you don't have the resources to fill it as you did three months ago. So this sucks. This is not good for the Vikings. Uh, a team that did not defend the run well last year at all, straight up, I mean – it just got worse, and that's a yeah. problem. There's no sugarcoating this. I mean, I guess the, the 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 kind way to put it is that 
you know, Michael Pierce is doing what's best for himself and his family. I certainly encourage that. I have no problem with players yeah. doing what sounds you know, like the, the, the reason why is he has asthma, which makes him high risk, which totally like that. Yeah. Like totally understand that. Right. I mean, what we, well, mostly about what we don't know about this virus is the reason. Okay. Take it easy. Like, you know, you can play in 2021, like I understand that, but your point about for the Vikings, like we, you know, there's a lot of players that have a big opportunity now uh, to fill those shoes because uh, there's there's the Vikings don't lack bodies at that position. Uh, they just lack experience and um, I guess you know production, right? So you have um, Shamar Stefan, who's sort of going to kind of be your your nose tackle at this point. He's sort of the the uh, the favorite. That doesn't inspire confidence. It doesn't. It doesn't. You're right. Um, Jaleel Johnson, the other guy who has played both spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is it what his fourth year now? That's a lot of years for him already, but th- this would be his fourth season out of Iowa. Uh, you have Jalen Holmes, who I think was like more of an edge guy initially, and has kind of moved inside to D tackle. Uh, you have Hercules Mata'afa, who nobody knows what he weighs anymore. Cause he used to weigh like two thirty, and now he's as a linebacker and now he's like 300 or something. Uh, he might be a nose tackle, might be a D tackle, might be a corner. I don't even know what position he is, but last year he played a little bit of everything, uh, kind of in the middle of the defensive line and linebacker. Um, you have Armin Watts, who flashed quite a bit last year like, like in limited snaps, uh, kind of in that nose tackle position. And then Vikings did get the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year in the draft and James Lynch, and so out of Baylor. So there's... There are lots of names there that have a chance to uh, take that spot, and that's why I kind of think the Vikings will not go into free agency here. Uh, it, you know, there's like a Snacks Harrison out there uh, that hasn't been signed yet. I think um, I think the Vikings were going to give these guys a chance to sort of earn that role uh, and, and take those nose tackle slash D tackle snaps. It's probably going to be, you know, there's some of these guys can play both spots, um, and they're going to give that chance to those guys. I think so. Uh, it it's not awesome for sure to have Pierce out uh, one of the kind of premier nose tackles in the NFL. Obviously that stinks football wise for your team to not have that. But right. um, you know, I think there's a lot of names that are kind of chomping at the bit for an opportunity to get some, some big snaps. And so I think this will be a fun, it has suddenly vaulted into a fun training camp. Obser- I mean, if there was a, if we were able to go to training camp and watch it, it'd be a fun right. competition to watch, but we'll be following along and, and then, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens week one, who gets those snaps, and if they're kind of rotating, what the case may be, these guys are going to get that shot. So the biggest problem, like you said, is not necessarily a lack of bodies. It's, again, I want to get back to this point that it's about having experience at the at a very important position within Mike Zimmer's defense, and not just experience, but successful experience. So that's where that huge drop-off comes from. Now, the names that you just listed off – they're not terrible. There's upside there. You know, we're not subbing in Sean Mannion for uh, for Kirk Cousins right now. We're <laughs> subbing we're subbing in a mid round pick. In there. I did. I have to. Every subtle jab I can get at Sean Mannion. Um, it, we're subbing in a you know a, a, one of the most disruptive players for in Iowa's recent history um, along the defensive line and a big you know one of the best players in the Big Ten when he was back in college in Jaleel Johnson. And you've also got these other pieces here where you can get a little bit more creative theoretically. I mean, 
you know, Lynch has a much different body type than Michael Pierce. This is not going to be like a, a, a nose to, you know, you can't put James Lynch in that nose, but you could, you know, you could get a little bit more creative in your stunts and your assignments. And maybe you don't even use a nose. Maybe you opt to have more speed and, you know, agility along the defensive line. There are options here. And going back to what we were just saying about Mike Zimmer and his contract extension, if there's anyone that can figure out a defensive issue and, you know, pull and play bodies and make it work, it's probably Mike Zimmer, right? And he's Andre Patterson is no slouch either. He's been, you know, making defensive phenoms for years now. So, yes, it's concerning. Yes, it's a real problem because on top of all of this, right, there's been no offseason. So it's like you've been preparing for this guy to be your guy. And all of a sudden now you've got to figure out, you know, is it going to be Johnson? You know, could Lynch be a guy that takes snaps from this, you know, from this pool here? Um, Armin Watts, like you said, legitimately had, you know, a very good showing in what, like eight snaps the last time we saw him play. So there is potential there. Um, there are resources. It's just the unknown is scary and the Vikings don't need any more unknowns right now, especially when. We know how interconnected the secondary and the defensive line are, and we don't know what we're going to get from the Vikings cornerbacks. So instability against along the defensive line and instability in the, in the secondary, that spells trouble, and that's the biggest puzzle yet for Mike Zimmer, I believe, since he took over in 2014. So this is going to be an interesting year, and this just really this just adds to it because – He's not the only one either. I mean, there was, what, five other guys? Um, no one of, you know, significant, uh, I don't want to say value, but, like, you know what I'm saying, right? Like, no players of significant significant impact players. But this virus is going to continue to inf- affect this season. Yeah. This is just, just the beginning of, for the, of the players. This is the be- just the beginning of the players that are going to opt out. Uh, this is going to be, I'm preparing for just chaos here and kind of, uh, I put this like I don't want to say an asterisk on the season because if you play 16 games as they're scheduled in like normal time you know that's probably not an asterisk season now there's the possibility that'll change for sure put the note next to it that the coronavirus is in effect during this yeah and you know you'll probably I mean who knows we might have a a prominent starting quarterback opt out there's that possibility for a team that would drastically change things Um, there's going to be star players outside of Michael Pierce that opt out for the entire season we saw new england had five guys i think alone that today opted out yeah. patrick chung was going Dante, Dante, Dante Hightower, Hightower, one. one of them yeah uh yeah. so you know this is just the beginning of that and they have, have i think any... until next week to yeah. to opt out and make that decision or maybe even later so there's going to be more of this this coming and it's going to be interesting to see how these the dynamics of each team change and uh i'm it, it's it feels like one of those years where this is the year the Vikings win it, but it doesn't count because it's not a, you know, quote unquote real right, Super Bowl, right? Right. right. Um, I was thinking about this when I when I saw the Michael Pierce news. Um, the the size of defensive linemen might be very different this year because a lot of those guys who are weighing in at 300 and 340, 350, 360 pounds are people who are, you know, yeah, they're most susceptible to the coronavirus. Eddie, and, Eddie Goldman, right? Yeah, Eddie Goldman. Chicago opted out. Yeah. Thank God for that. My God, he just wrecks the Vikings. So this more or be- less, more or less cancels out what happened with the Vikings today. Yeah, pretty so. much. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it'll be, uh, that's something to, 
to, to keep an eye on, I suppose. I mean, how interesting would that be if you had all of your, like the average weight of linemen dropped by about 60 pounds? I mean, that, that could happen. And that would be, I mean, this would it'd become a speed game and a skill game as opposed to a power game or a, just an overall body size game um, within the trenches, which is, that's a different football game, honestly. So I can go on a million tangents with this, but the, the, the fact is here is now we have to find this replacement. Well, not we, but the Vikings have to find this replacement and they need to find someone that you know, can do the job effectively because this is a very important role schematically, keeping in mind that the nose tackle position is typically someone who takes on two interior blockers and still manages to get a pass rush. And as a result, Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks can fly around and the secondary can play man coverage across the board with the, you know, this, with the, uh, this, excuse me, with the safety deep over the top. So this changes a lot of what Mike Zimmer has become comfortable with. This changes a lot of what we have, you know, as a fan base become comfortable with because we've been so, you know, accustomed to watching Linval Joseph take on two blockers and still create pressures over the last, what, four years or so. And now the Vikings don't have that, assuming that a guy like Jaleel Johnson, who I think, I think the, I think the guy that you should probably feel the most excited about having this opportunity is Johnson because yeah. he fits the body stereotype, right? Uh, he has the athleticism. I mean, I, I don't, I, I'm sure many of our listeners being gopher fans and Iowa fans and people from the big 10 are familiar with Jaleel Johnson and how successful he was and how much fun he was to watch in college. So, we know the talent is there. We know the ability is there. The thing is with him that makes this even more exciting is he's never gotten the opportunity. It's never been there. There's never been – I mean, he's gotten rotational play, I suppose, but no consistent playing time his entire career. And like Drew said, he's heading into year four. So this is like a make-or-break situation for him. I mean, this could be something that puts the Vikings' defense over the top too. So what if Jaleel Johnson walks in here – he turns into a guy that's a borderline, all, you know, not all pro, but a very high impact player. You come back next year, you've got Johnson and Pierce for years to come. So there are positive elements to what can come out of this as well. But in the in the yeah. now, the Vikings need to find out an answer because this really affects their game plan is what I'm kind of what I'm saying here. In yeah, simple well, that's what. That's what I, I kind of like about. I mean, there's nothing. The, the, it's a net negative, hundred percent. Like Michael. Uh, Pierce opting out and a for you know for for his sake to um to feel that you know the the risk and and to pass on football for a season that's better for him that just kind of illustrates how the situation is playing out right now for the NFL for everybody but uh in terms of football the fact that there are so many names with potential does suggest you know again it's it's presents that optimism that, okay, well, one of these guys probably will turn out to be something um, that's, you know, a starting caliber player for a long time. And that would be great right now uh, between, you know, between, <laughs> right. But between, you know, Lynch, between Johnson, between um, Mata Afa, between Watts, like you have some exciting names there. You have, you know, now the big 12 is not necessarily known for defense, but you have the big 12 player of the year. You have Hercules Mata'afa, who has, I mean, that, that his story so far in the NFL is exciting. His name is exciting, too. His name is also exciting. Armin Watts, super limited sample size, but really good production in that sample size. Jaleel Johnson, everything you just said about him. Uh, Jalen Holmes, too. So, like, there's guys there yeah. that have that, they've, you know, they the Vikings scouting department thought highly of all of them enough 
to take most of these guys with mid-round picks in the draft. And they haven't really gotten that chance because Lindvall has been largely healthy and very productive yep, yep. Uh, over the past couple of years. I've played now, a lot of snaps. He played like 65% yes, of his snaps. Which is a which lot is for nuts. a nose tackle. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So now, you know, plus, you know, you don't have Everson Griffin moving inside sometimes either, at least at, as, as of now. Maybe he will come back. If he goes to the Packers, we're fighting. Like, we're fighting them. Yeah. That's not yes. okay with me. I'm that getting is, mad. That's correct. Uh, but I'm, you know, this is – Another reason why I'm a little upset about not being able to go to camp or even following along like the live tweets yeah, yeah. of camp, because this one would be really fun to be following. So I'm going to say something nice about Shamar Stefan real quick. It's a rare thing. So take it in as you must. Yeah. Okay. The fact that his body is one of the bodies that the Vikings have to play in those two positions within the interior of their four, three defensive structure is a good thing because it offers a ton of flexibility for what the Vikings want to do, right? So Stefan can either play that nose tackle spot. He's a big boy. He has a lot of experience doing that, and he has basically been the rotation guy for Linville Joseph when he has been in Minnesota over the last couple of years. And he can also play that three-technique spot as well and has experience playing that spot alongside Linville Joseph as well. So you do have kind of that fun where you could – this might not be a one-man fix is kind of what I'm saying here. This could be like a two- or three-man rotation with whoever's playing – with, you know, Shamar Stefan kind of being the, the the most consistent face there. But this is how, kind of what I'm thinking about. If Stefan's lined up at the three technique, one play, and Jaleel Johnson is at the nose on, on the same play, right? Okay, Johnson taps out for a play. Then you can switch – you can just real quickly send, say, James Lynch into it tap Shamar on the shoulder and say, all right, you're playing nose this play. He steps in at three technique, and all of a sudden you've got a completely different pass rush structure. So there is some fun to be had there is kind of what I'm saying. And there's and like you have said you know, multiple times throughout this discussion, there are bodies and interesting bodies at that. So, you know, it's it, you're right. It, ultimately, it's a net loss. That's what this is. But there's, you know, there's potential and there's excitement to be had. And you're right. It would be fun to see this play out or, you know, yeah, uh, there's more entertainment to be had if that doesn't make up for the 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 loss on the field and production, probably. But right. it, it'll be more interesting and more entertaining to follow the Vikings defense when we'd have no idea what's happening at that position right now. Uh, and we're not going to know because we don't have any preseason games. We don't have any, we're not going to have really any knowledge of what's happening in, in camp practices. So week one Packers game, uh, if it happens, knock on wood, right? If it happens, as we're there. Told, we're at that point where that question mark is. Oh, for we sure. Can raise that, for yeah. sure. For sure. And all this discussion, by the way, could be completely moot, which is the, <laughs> even more interesting about all this and more uh, chaotic, but we have no idea, you know, who, has the upper hand or who will have the upper hand for that starting those, both of those starting spots week one. What is which Vegas is, doing is right now? Does, do you think Vegas just has a spy? Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't, do they have odds up? Like, will there be an NFL season as scheduled? Like I, I'd like to see what those are. I haven't even looked, but it, no, I'm, I'm saying like, like scouting, like the teams in order to build their odds. Like they have yeah. to have someone like, I know they have an algorithm in Vegas, right? But like they have to input numbers into that algorithm. <laughs> well, even like today, like, you know, New England lost like, two or three key starters on their defense. Oh, yeah, huge players. Yeah. Like, Buffalo's odds for to winning the AFC. I mean, let's just, this is a side note completely, but Josh Allen is being handed that division. And if he doesn't win it, then he's not good. I already think he's not good, but he's not good if he, they don't win that division. Yeah, that's fair. 
that's fair. So uh, I think that's probably a good transition here into kind of the major news that comes out from the Vikings organization um, concerning COVID-19 testing. So again, this has become a major thing across the board. Just every COVID test is important. And I mean, I don't... I don't need to hear about it every single day anymore, probably. But when it happens to your organization, it's a little bit different of a feel, right? So it's Eric Sugarman, the Vikings head head trainer, uh, has been for a long time one of the absolute best in the business. Um, he's the type of guy where if he lost his job in Minnesota, he'd have a better job somewhere else. So um, this is so this is strange. Um, it's a tough position for him to be in, obviously from a you know, just from a health perspective, you know, he's not, a, he's not a spring chicken by any means. I'm not saying that Eric Sugarman, who probably keeps himself in the, like, the healthiest possible condition that one can, um, is, you know, someone who's very susceptible to this virus, but still just having it is not like, it's reason for concern. I've had a couple of buddies who, you know, they did not feel great for a couple of days when they, when they got it. And I'm sure some of our listeners too, like, you know, someone who has had COVID-19 and maybe it wasn't life-threatening, but you still felt like hell for a couple of days, I'm sure. So uh, this sucks. And it sucks even more because you know that Sugarman has been working intimately with guys who are recovering from injury, uh, guys who are you know trying to stretch themselves out or, you know, they need to get some some level of medical care in some capacity. I mean, he's, he's a very intimate piece of this team, right? He touches – the phrasing is just not good here. But, like, he, he has physical contact with – I just watched Athlete A yesterday too, so like the the Larry. Yeah, Nash. well, okay, that, that's yeah. I mean, <laughs> here's the deal. From what it sounds like, he basically has spent the last I don't know how many months, probably, you know, putting together the the plan for the Vikings, you know, protocols for COVID nineteen. Right. Um, and so, you know, I think Peter King even wrote, uh, you know, his football Monday Football in America, whatever the heck his column is called, but he basically, uh, you know, featured the Vikings and Sugarman and their protocols in that. And uh, it seems like, you know, Sugarman was doing everything he could, right, to avoid it. And there's just, like he said in his little statement, you know, the virus doesn't discriminate. If you take any, if you're weak about it at any point, you know, it can, it can get you. Uh, So, and it sounds like based on what his statement said, you know, the state, the, the symptoms for he and his family, are, are mild and it's not and nothing serious at this point, which is the crazy part of all this is that, you know, there's going to be guys with the Vikings, with any team uh, that test positive that are feeling absolutely normal. And it's seen, it's happened already in other sports um, that probably happening are, in your life right now. Right, right. Like we, one of us could have it and we don't have any symptoms at all, which is kind of the crazy part about this. And it's going to, it's, you know, you don't want to focus on the competitive side of things because there's bigger things at hand here. But sure. like, there's going to be, let's say, a key player for a team down the road, and it could happen in Minnesota, it could happen to any team, where a guy's feeling completely fine, he tests positive, and he's got to miss a key game because two. of this virus Maybe that two. doesn't, yeah, and two, probably two games or more, really. Um, we put and, an extra bench spot on our fantasy roster this year. Oh yeah, yeah, that's happened. <laughs> that, that that's another totally crazy element to all this is fantasy football and how that's going to be handled. But like, there's going to be so much of that where guys are testing positive. They have no symptoms at all. They're going to get upset because they can't play their team loses a key game and it's going to shake up the entire season. Like there's going to be playoff spots won and lost because of this stuff. And it's, it's, there's your asterisk right there. 
Exactly. That's, that's what people exactly. are going to say. And so, well, you won because Lamar Jackson missed the game. Something right, like that. Right. And so, I mean, t- I guess bringing it back to, to Sugarman here is like, that's, I guess, my point about these teams, everybody putting in these protocols and, and the policies and all of that. Like, him testing positive tells me that there's not really a way for this to be contained. Like, there's not a bubble, so to speak, that's going to work. Like, it's just, it's going to happen. Guys are going to test positive, And it's going to be pure luck at this point, which is not awesome. But the best, I mean, following all your social distancing and the, what the NFL is asking players to do, which is a lot, um, it's its not going to stop what, you know, it's not going to stop this virus. That's, yeah, that's the, uh, that's the facts here. Um, <clears throat> so we do have a couple extra minutes here. So l- let's explore that asterisk idea a little bit more, because I do think that's an interesting discussion. Um, so Drew has alluded to this a couple times throughout the show, that now the season as a result of all of these changes amid the coronavirus pandemic, if you win, ultimately, I mean, everyone is starting from the same spot, right? But if you win, does this season deserve an asterisk? I mean, there's going to be a note there no matter what. Like, you can't change the fact that when you go into pro football reference next to the year, it will say COVID-19 regulations imposed or something along those lines. That's going to be there no matter what. But is, does winning matter less is the central question here for this final segment of the show. Does winning the season this year, does it matter less to you? Does the trophy stand not as tall, I guess? I don't know. See, my thought on this is that if this if the schedule is played – as it's scheduled right now. So all 16 games are played. Right. Their bye weeks happen when they're supposed to, um, you know, and it's from, you know, September to December as it's scheduled, right? Playoffs happen with their new playoff format, by the way. Playoffs happen um, as they should. And with all of that, there's fans at zero games. And so the entirety of the schedule, there's no fans. Everyone has the same st- standards. Yes. Yep. yes. Then I think, okay, yeah, that counts. You know, it, it in that perspective, everybody's playing with no fans. What I am afraid of is states that are governed liberally. Uh, I don't want to bring politics into this because I hate that so much. But if this is going to be part of the equation here, and whether you like it or not, this is going to probably play a role in this season. But the teams that play in states that are governed liberally, where Fans will not be allowed. Like, there's already been a couple teams that have said no fans at our games, no matter what, uh, in this upcoming NFL season. They're at a disadvantage, you know. Uh, for example, especially the Vikings, their first two home games this season, you know, they got Green Bay, and then they have Tennessee, who just played in the AFC Championship game. Um, if they can't have fans at those games, but then, you know, let's say right. Green Bay right. has, you know, fans for the Vikings home game week eight, like, that's a big disadvantage for the Vikings, you know. And so my thought is, like if I'm running things, it sucks for sure. But if no fans are allowed for any portion of the season, then it should just be the entire season for competitive equality. Because the fan, the, the fan experience to me, I don't know, I would imagine every player would say this too, is that the fan, um, the noise, the atmosphere, all matters quite a bit. And so that's my take changes. on this whole competitive asterisk thing. Like if all the games are played with no fans equally like that, it counts. It's a fair Super Bowl win for whoever does it. Um, but if, if we get to a point where fans are at some games and not others, and some teams get that advantage of fans in their stadium and some don't, 
that's when I think you you can you can call this a competitive disadvantage because even in the Vegas odds, like that's a three point swing usually is that home field advantage. That's how you see it, and every uh, you know the odds makers that's the general rule of thumb. That's a big difference, and it can make the difference in games. Uh, so that's my take on, on on all that. So everyone playing from the same starting point is for me is a necessity in order for competitive fairness. Correct, right? Like that's why steroids weren't cool in in baseball because not everyone was taking steroids. Now, had everyone been taking steroids, like literally 100% of players been taking steroids. I mean, it still would have been cheating, but everyone was playing. Yeah, from the same it, would point. Been, it would wouldn't have been cheating at that point. You're not getting right. an advantage on anybody if you all can, you know. Right. Okay. So that's the point here. So if that is the standard, then yes, we have a competitive game. Um, everyone's starting from square one in the same place. Now the question then becomes, if there's not an asterisk, because I don't think there is either. If you if everyone's playing from the same position, we're good. That's cool for me. That's competitive sports. It may not be the same game as last year. Or the same game that we know and love, but it is a competitive sport and it follows the rules and you know regulations in order to have a champion, right? So that's fine with me. What the real question then becomes isn't whether or not there should be an asterisk, but whether or not you can easily make that trophy matter less. Because this year, it may be, hey, it may be all fair and good that the Vikings win the Super Bowl, but it's... It's not the same as an injury. It's just not like because if someone breaks their collarbone and misses the playoffs and as a result, you know, it plays a huge factor in why that team got bounced in the playoffs. Yes, those fans will bring that up to the death of them that they probably could have won if, you know, Deshaun Watson didn't get hurt in quarter three of the AFC championship. Right. Like that's probably still going to happen no matter what. But with the coronavirus, it's like. It's not it's not playing football that's not taking you off the field, right? Like, it's not standard situation. It's new, it's weird, and it's something we don't know about. So... Like, there's absolutely no control. Like, it's like... If zero. You explained you explain the... Like, these injuries a lot of times are fluke things, whatever, but they happen within a game where... The scope of it's under, game. It's yeah. understood that injuries are a part of it. And, like, you, exa- you just gave an example of Deshaun Watson. Like, he could have been, you know not sliding when he should have, right? That That's something that a player can control. And again, a lot of these injuries, majority of them are not controllable in that way. But you're right in that, you know, injuries in football are assumed. This is an outside, uh, an outside source of like chaos that's going to throw everything off. And there's, there doesn't seem, it seems completely random to the point where, you know, a player like Pat, like what if Patrick Mahomes, you That's know, what I'm saying. Yeah. Like him or Lamar test, Jackson test, test positive, like during the divisional round of the playoffs. And then Kansas city is forced to deal with, you know, play Matt Moore, our quarterback against, I don't know, like Hopefully Deshaun Watson like and the Texans again or somebody, you know, like that's a, that's a big deal. And so it seems completely random. And that's going to, if that were to happen, that put a huge asterisk on things. And it's it, that type of thing is going to happen with, you know, at weekly at this point where key players going to test positive whether or not they have symptoms and but you know so part of me is like well it's random and it seems seems you know completely random for everybody but then you look at like florida florida like the team in florida <laughs> florida yeah Miami, like that's a big disadvantage for them because chances are you know their hand that state is handling it differently than other states there's more cases there's more it seems like a a, a, a 
outbreak, so to speak, is taking place. The Miami Marlins are literally putting their entire season on hold because of this. Literally ruining foot. They're literally ruining the MLB single-handedly right now. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. They're the only team, by the way. So like <laughs> the only team with a positive test, they're ruining the sport right now. And it seems like based on that information that Jacksonville and the Dolphins and Tampa Tom Bay. Brady. Like, yes. Like <laughs> Tom Brady. Maybe be at a disadvantage just because of how prevalent the virus is there as of now. This is only July 29th, but there's a lot to that's the there's a lot of it's random, but it's not random, which is it, it's random. It's kind I of just random. Explained a lot of that and didn't really say a whole lot in the last three minutes. But OK, last thing that I thought about, um, I want to hear what you guys, the listeners, have to say on this, too. So leave your comments in the Daily Norseman section below um, on what you think. It says, should the season have an asterisk or not? But one last thing I want to say is this opens the door for a COVID-19 scandal. And saying Tom Brady obviously brought that to my mind. You mean like – I'm thinking, okay, if Tom Brady gets COVID-19, there is no shot in hell he's not playing. There's no shot. There's no shot because he is like that. He's playing no matter what. This is interesting. And they're going to have to bury that, and then that's going to come up like six years from now, and a bunch of picks are going to be lost, and some money is going to be stolen. Or not stolen, but give it a charity, I suppose. So ah. that's something to think about, I guess. I mean, I don't that have anything even... to say about that. Yeah. But... <laughs> well, that, that, I mean, that does bring up an interesting point. Like the pressure of the, like, the money and, and the pressure of sports and sponsors and what have you is such a big part of all this. So in that scenario that I mentioned earlier, like Mahomes, that's positive, divisional round. Like there's going to be a lot of money flying at the Chiefs to say, hey, like bury it, <laughs> bury it, play the kid, uh, and go win the Super Bowl. You know, that's just it, something to yeah, think about. It's it real. Is. This is it's, real. This is good. And, it's, a good and point the NFL and these type of scandals, it's they're right. not immune to them. Uh, looking at you, not. New England Patriots. So they're definitely not that. So that's an interesting point. I didn't even think about that, but now I'm really now it's on my mind a lot, I'm, and I I'm interested now. All right, well we will leave it at that. We will leave you guys wanting more, so to speak. Um. Thank you for listening, as always. Uh, next show, which will presumably be next week, uh, we'll be talking about the NFL Network Top 100. Uh, right now, we already know that Eric Kendricks is too low, and Harrison Smith is probably eh, a little bit uh, – they're a little bit rude to him as well. And then Kirk Cousins places up near 50. So that's what we have right now to discuss. Jimmy Garoppolo is 43, so th- that's that's what I had to talk about. So we have some things to talk about on that front for sure. Uh, Dalvin Cook reported to camp, so I think we're good on that, but maybe that'll come up as well. Um, and then we will continue to follow um, the pertinent news in the Vikings organization next week as well. So that's the game plan then. Um, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. Uh, watch us on YouTube if you like. Um, and we are on Daily Norseman and the Climbing in the Pop- Pocket Network, so make sure to check out their work as well. So thanks as always, folks, and we will catch you next week. Thank you.